Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Gail. Hi, I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club, and we welcome speaking to your organization or group on Aging Reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. Finally, if you are an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. Today, we are delighted to bring to you Reverend Gloria Randolph. Uh, Reverend Gloria was brought to us by uh, Advocate Cheryl Woodson, who is episode 104. And Reverend Gloria grew up on the south side of Chicago. She and her husband, Reese, live in Hazelcrest, Illinois. They have a blended family of six children and seven grandchildren. Gloria received the Master of Arts in Christian Ministries from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary. As an educator in the Chicago public school system, Gloria has touched the lives of two generations of students, and later she shared her expertise with teachers through staff development and program planning as coordinator for Chicago public schools. In May of 2003, Gloria retired from the Chicago public school system. Reverend Gloria is first and foremost a servant of God. She is a member of Covenant United Church of Christ, where she serves as the grief ministry leader. She is an ordained minister and founder of Giving God the Glory Ministries. Under this not-for-profit ministry, Gloria facilitates and organizes bereavement programs and support groups, as well as mentoring programs for teens and women. Her faith is the foundation of all that she does. In October of 1989, Gloria's oldest son, Sean Cater, was murdered at age 21. She turned this tragedy into triumph as she co-founded RAY, Reclaim a Youth, in 1991 with a friend, Addie Mix, whose 18-year-old son had also been murdered. Her youngest son, John Cater Jr., an award-winning journalist, died in January of 2010 at age 32, six months after he won the prestigious Emmy Award for Excellence in Reporting. In 2015, Reverend Gloria honored the memory of her two deceased sons by adding the My Two Sons John Sean Memorial Scholarship Program as a new component to GGG Ministries. Reverend Gloria feels her real healing came from helping others deal with their pain and grief, and by helping young people to succeed. So welcome to the program, Gloria. In, My pleasure. <laughs> it's ours. And, and um, helping young people to succeed has been a theme throughout your life. And so tell us a little bit about those early years in education. 
Well, I actually graduated and got a bachelor's degree in 1969 from Chicago uh, Teachers College, which is now Chicago State. Uh, then I went back to school and I got a master's degree from Governor State, also in uh, education. And then I got uh, Type 75 for administration supervision uh, from Concordia University. So with my early years, um, I was a primary teacher, so excited about little children and um, imparting to them uh, the knowledge that uh, they would need to be successful. And so uh, in my early years, I, I was also a literacy coordinator. I went back to Ohio State for the early literacy learning initiative. My principal came to me one day and said, uh, Gloria, do you want to leave the classroom and uh, venture out? And I said, no, this is all I want to do. He said, well, don't you think you need to clone yourself? Because you are very successful with these kids. So that's how I started going back to school. And I just kept going and going and going. And so uh, I have taught, oh, I guess when I retired, probably a thousand children. <laughs> wow. And I was at the same school for 24 years, no, 28 years. And uh, before I became an administrator. And so I had taught families of children. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. So, so you decided to retire in 2003? Yes, that's correct. I had 34 years at that time. 34. And uh, that was maximum. And so I could have gone on, but it wouldn't have done me that much uh, as far as uh, getting paid. You don't get paid that much more. So I retired and then I did my ministry full time, giving God the glory. And it is a full time uh, ministry that I'm very passionate about. I see. And so how did you get into grief counseling? I mean, you're, I understand your background, of course, with your sons, but, but what moved you in that direction? And, and okay. it, it was actually the death of my first son. And I found out that, uh, especially after losing a child, there was no place for me to go. Where do you go? Uh, I didn't have any counseling. My church, uh, they had um, a kind of a, I guess it was a support group where you would go and, but it, it wasn't enough for me. And uh, so I decided that uh, I would help other women. Now at that time I wasn't counseling, but as I said, even in my bio, uh, helping other mothers is how I got my healing. So after I retired, I decided to go back to, uh, to school. And then I got my, uh, my major was pastoral care. And of course, with pastoral care as a minister, you can counsel as well. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of got my start was after my son died, helping other women. And now I do counseling. I think right now I have 12 clients that I do, uh, that I have right now. Through, through the grief ministry or through uh, other sources? No, it's through my grief ministry. It's through, it's through giving God the glory. Uh, my counseling component is only one of the components of the ministry. So right now I'm counseling um, someone who lost a sibling, one person, four have lost their children, six a spouse, and two a parent. Mm. Mm. So I do counsel uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Gloria, are you doing this one-on-one -on -one or in group settings or or both? No, this is this is one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. However, if you want me to talk about my groups, I can talk about them as well. In fact, yes, I have yes. one tonight. 
Yeah. I do have uh, two support circles. One is uh, through St. Sabina. It's a group called Purpose Over Pain for people who've lost their children to murder in the Chicagoland area. Uh, I, we meet on the third Tuesday of the month. So we just met this past Tuesday. There were 18 uh, men and women on, and uh, that is our support circle. That's one of my support circles. The other one I actually have tonight, and it's through my church. Uh, because I am the grief ministry leader. So I do a support circle on the fourth Thursday of the month. And that's from 730 to 9. Can you help us understand a little bit about grief counseling and, and you know, what, what process do, do people go through when they are working through their grief? Well, as you're working through your grief, there are stages that Kubler-Ross says denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. That doesn't all, they don't all come at the same time. They come at different times. And so it's a matter of, uh, it's a process. It's not an event of going from where you are through grief counseling to where you really need to be. It is um, trying to find significance in a world without your loved one. And some people go into deep grief, especially those who've lost their children, because that kind of grief is unimaginable. Mm -hmm. You don't expect to bury your children. So, yes, it's a process. And so what I do is I uh, actually take them through the process. And uh, one of my early lessons is um, a working definition of grief, finding out what grief is all about, finding out what kind of grief you have, because there's anticipatory, there's sudden and traumatic, there's no end or finite, there's near miss, and there's pathological or complicated grief. So I find out where they are, and then I listen to them, and then I devise lessons to help them not to get stuck and to go on through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you say a little bit more about each of those? Uh, for anticipatory grief, it is grief that you're, expe it's, you're expecting the person to die. In other words, someone who has terminal cancer. So even though it's anticipated and the doctors have said, well, you have two or three years, uh, it doesn't make the, the um, once the person has passed, it's not that the trauma is not going to be severe. It's just that in anticipatory grief, you have time to be with your loved one, to make plans. In fact, some people even do their own obituaries. But it's a grief that you know the doctors have already told you that you're not going to make it, that you have a certain amount of time uh, to live. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let me go through here so I can maybe explain a little bit more about some of the other uh, I want to go through the sudden and traumatic. Sudden is traumatic. Sudden and traumatic is actually what I experienced with my first son. I got a call early in the morning that my son had passed. So there was no time for me to prepare. There's nothing that I could do. Uh, wasn't expecting that kind of call. And so that is no time for prepar preparation, as in sudden, uh, sudden infant death syndrome also murder, suicide, or an accident. I have a grandson who was uh, in an accident and that's how he died. So mm -hmm. my uh, 
first by son, my oldest son and my grandson, it was a sudden and traumatic grief. The one I talked about being no end, that's perpetual grief and sorrow, like living with an embittered divorce relationship, birth defects, uh, major physical and mental uh, disabilities, where as that's not going to ever stop for you because you're born that way, as in Down syndrome, or an embittered divorce where you're tied to that person because of your children. Mm-hmm. The other one is near miss. Uh, for example, the Northern Illinois shooting, the uh, Connecticut school shootings, the Florida shootings in 2018, where people actually saw their classmates dying and being shot. They were maybe under their desk. They were in maybe a study hall. And what happens is they have that kind of grief because it didn't happen to them. It was a near miss. Mm-hmm. But many of them have even committed suicide since then. That's how deep that grief is. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, pathological, is grief that chronically keeps an individual from functioning, where you can't get out of bed. It disables you, um, your mind and your body. You don't do anything. And that's where I come in. And I don't want anyone to be stuck in pathological. Mm-hmm. So I hope that has given you, and that is called complicated grief as well. Oh, yes. Very, Thank you very much. Yes, appreciate that. And, and um, so, Gloria, tell us a little bit more about Reclaim a Youth. What does that organization do? Uh, Reclaim a Youth. Uh, we actually ended Reclaim a Youth uh, two years ago. Uh, when the other uh, founder, Addie Mix, she um, uh, had some health problems. And so we were with Reclaim a Youth, I think it was 27 years. So what happened is um, Addie and I belong to the same church. We started, we uh, joined this church. It was a new church in 1981. She had a son and a daughter, and I had two sons and a daughter. And uh, we both kind of went our separate ways, left and went to other churches. And uh, she found out my son was murdered by an 18 year old uh, in 1989. And her son was murdered by a 21 year old in Mm -hmm. 1991. And she didn't know what had happened to my son. So she was a friend was saying, wow, these boys were so well taken care of. And the same thing happened to Sean Cater. She had no idea. Well, at that time, I was like two years in. I had started a Bible study and she called me and came to the Bible study. Uh, They were trying to raise money because her son was killed on a college campus and uh, for her to go back and forth. And out of that, we decided, wow, we don't want this to happen to anybody else. So how do we reclaim youth? How do we bring other children into the fold, do activities with them, keep them grounded so that this does not happen? And that's how Reclaim a Youth started. Mm. Actually, from a, a little small Bible study. Uh-huh. And and then how did you, then did the youth just come to you or how, how did you find? Oh, you know, you have to go into the schools, the churches, let them know. Uh, I did a program called Beauty Inside Out with teen girls. Um, and it had so many, we had so many different things. We would do the beauty. So you do the nails and the hair and the, and then you give them the word of God at the same time. We went on hiking trips, uh, went on shopping trips. But it's that's how we did it. We went through the schools and our churches. And then the boys, we had an hour of power basketball. We would have mentors coming in 
talking to them, and not only that, playing basketball, because, you know, they like that. And mm -hmm. so that's how we did it, through the schools and the churches. Mm -hmm. T tell us a little bit about your young your youngest son and his, the Emmy Award for Excellence in Reporting that he received. Tell, tell yeah, us well, uh, actually, John had uh, in um, Pittsburgh, he had been nominated twice for Emmys while he was there. And um, he left there to go to Atlanta because he said, Mom, he said, I know I'm good enough to get this Emmy. And he was in Atlanta from, I guess he got there in 2007 and he got the Emmy in 2009 while he was there. So he loved it. As a little boy, he fell uh, when he was about four and got a scar on his face. And he was always so animated. And then he asked me, he said, Mom, is this scar going to keep me from being an anchor man? And I said, no, that scar is going to make you a star, John. So every day I would kiss that scar and uh, he would go off to school. He went to school with people calling him Scarface. <laughs> and who would have thought that this young man at age 27 had his own morning show, CBS Channel 2 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> How nice. Yes. Great. So what do you, I mean, you're still active with the ministry, of course. And, and so what, what's ahead for you there? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so much. But we've had, we've had several new components. We started out by just giving um, scholarships um, to deserving high school students. And because of what I do in, as far as grief counseling and the grief work that I do, then God kind of gave me the idea of a legacy scholarship. Every year we would have a big gala where we treat these students so royally. And whenever I would walk into the venue and I would see my boys' pictures up there in light, it would bless me. And I said, how wonderful it would be for other people to come in and see the same thing. Mm. So we started what's called the Legacy Scholarship. So people actually can give a $1,000 scholarship in their loved one's name. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's one component. That's the legacy. We also have a, a component called the textbook scholarship. And then this year, uh, we have uh, what's called the Brandy Hodges um, Education Assistance Scholarship. So you see how this is going on. And we've also added adoptive family. So the ministry is just really growing in leaps and bounds. Last year, which was our sixth year, we had given 85 scholarships in six years. Mm -hmm. This year, we plan to give 20 more. And so uh, the only way is up. And what happens is our students that have graduated, they come back and they become mentors. I have 25 mentors. Mm -hmm. So last year, we graduated six, 10. Of the 10 that graduated, six are now mentors in the program. I believe in youth. So what I am planning is that in at age 80, which is, five years from now, that these, they, these students will come right in. They will be on my advisory board. They will be on my executive board. Uh, they will be decision makers. They will be able to handle everything. And that's my goal. So that's where I see this ministry going. Gloria, are the scholarships for furthering their education or, or for other, other no, things? No, they're as well? strictly for education. Okay. It's for further in their education. And the Adopt-A-Family Scholarship? What is The Adopt-A-Family is not really a scholarship. Mm -hmm. We started that last Christmas because of COVID and 
one of the young ladies um, that I had ministered two years ago, she was in my Beauty Inside Out program. She uh, got burned out. It was a, a fire in um, Richmond Park, an apartment fire. And so nobody was injured, but everyone actually lost their home. And so I went to my board and I said, you know, wouldn't it be great to be able to give her something? My church already does adopt a family. So I wrote up a proposal for adopt a family. We were able to give her uh, $1,100. Uh, and so far this year, I've already have, had people actually giving for our new program, adopt a family for 2021. So that came about because of the need, because the mission of giving God the glory ministries is to encourage God's people by providing them with the spiritual resources and support needed to face the challenges of daily living. And it's our goal that as they go through the challenges of daily living, certainly having a fire and being burned out as a challenge, mm -hmm. that they would develop a closer worship, uh, relationship with God that will help them not to give up, but to go through. And so that's what we did. So those are the various components that we have come up with. Uh, we haven't even implemented um, the Brandy Hodges Education Assistance Scholarship because our scholarships, uh, it won't start until, um, it will, will start this year. A young lady uh, went to Dubai, got off the plane, dropped dead. So her mm -hmm. mother wanted to start a different kind of scholarship. She didn't want just for graduating high school seniors, she wanted it for other students that are in college, uh, juniors, sophomores, and seniors who may need some assistance. So we have that available now for the juniors, soph sophomores, and seniors. Do you ever wear out? You know, I have so much energy. It's so amazing to me, um, the energy that I have. Um, I walk um, a couple of times a week. I do about a four-mile walk. Um, I, I, my mind is forever going. I'm always waking up with some kind of idea. Right now I'm planning the, as far as the scholarship readings, because tomorrow, the 24th is our deadline and we'll be doing the scholarship readings. After we do the scholarship readings, we'll do the inter interview process. We'll make our selection of our students. Then we have something called a meet and greet, which last year was the first time it was done virtually where they meet their mentors and uh, it goes on and on because we also give our kids uh, a $250 textbook stipend. And when they graduate, we, we surprise them by giving them $500 to $1,000 each of the graduates. Mm. Mm. A lot of moving parts. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's exciting. I'm very passionate about it. And um, I, I can't even describe how I feel so very much alive after so many losses because I've also lost my entire nuclear family, uh, my siblings and my parents, as well as my two children and one grandson. So I'm sitting here, Gloria, with, I don't know if this about this question, but I'm just I'm so curious about how do you think about death in a way that enables you to, to continue to move on with such um, optimism and caring for other people. Is there a way you think about death? It actually is. And um, I this kind of hit me just the other day because I was doing um, a lesson called uh, Embrace the Uniqueness of Your Grief. And uh, there was one section that we had talked about and I said, wow, I, I, I never really looked at it in that way. I was trying to find if I could give you the exact words. Um, 
that I have been able to integrate death and loss more seamlessly into living. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So I do it so often and I'm helping people. And as I help them, it helps me. And so death really becomes a part of life. My boys are a part of everything that I do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually live this ministry. This is my purpose and I know it and I walk in it daily. So I have integrated death into my life in a seamless way. Does that, does that answer your question? Uh, yes, beautifully. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I mean, there isn't anyone who can escape an experience of death. And so by doing this, you're, you're, you're uh, taking, bringing it out into the open so that people can really talk about it and feel like they don't have to hide their emotions and their feelings. No. In fact, that's one of the things I say that tears are liquid prayer. Uh, (laughs) Everybody grieves, but everybody does not mourn. Grieving is what you do on the inside, whether it's death or or loss of a job, loss of a boyfriend, husband, um, that's grieving. Mourning is the outward expression of it, where you cry, yell, scream, bowl, kick, walk it out, talk it out, write it out, journal it out. That's the mourning part of it. And it is only through the mourning that you get healed. Mm-hmm. Oh, so people don't get stuck in that perpetual sorrow? or Exactly. Mm-hmm. And legacy, this is what I do. I believe in legacy. So when you give a scholarship in your loved one's name, when you start your own scholarship, when you donate a book, when you do to the library, a tree uh, that you want to plant in your yard, that's all legacy, remembering that person. And you celebrate not the fact that they died, but the fact that they lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ooh. So you mentioned something about setting up the ministry so that when you are 80. Yes. What, what <laughs> happens when you're 80? <laughs> well, actually, when I'm 80, I, I want to be able to give... Uh, some of the younger people, my daughter is on my executive board. My granddaughter is involved in the ministry. Uh, it's really something, it's a family ministry. My son's best friend, both my son's best friends are on the executive board. Mm-hmm. My best friends, they're on the executive or the advisory board. So we're mentoring these young people to take our places, but we'll still be there. But we kind of sit back and watch them grow. <laughs> and as they grow, the ministry grows. Yes, yes. So I'm not giving up. I'll just be able to walk every day four miles. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think about aging in any other way for yourself? Oh, wow. You know, um, I actually look the way that I wanted to look at this age, except I think I told you I have alopecia. Yes. So I lost my hair. And uh, I don't really care for wigs that much. They're okay. So I I usually wrap my hair most of the time. But the way I look at it is um, I can actually give you a scripture that describes it. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It's in Psalm 92 and 12. I call myself a palm tree Christian. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long lived, upright and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace 
They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will become living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises, that he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So I intend to continue to prosper and bear fruit in my old age. I'll always be doing something. Oh, I love a that. wonderful note to end on. Catherine, did you have anything else for Gloria? No, I, I'm just kind of breathless, but um, thank you. This is really quite wonderful and uh, very, very um, moving. Inspiring, of course. But So thank you. And listeners, please subscribe and leave a review whenever you listen to, wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about our Women Over 70 community on womenover70.com. So see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.